Hey guys, welcome to the Google Podcast. I am your host, Rob Watson, and I've got a really interesting and exciting guest lined up for you today. Her name is Lindsay Bowden. We had a fascinating conversation. It was also really nice to be able to do it. We did it face-to-face in my home, something that I haven't done that much um, since COVID. So that was really nice to be able to do that. Um, Lindsay is basically, she's an ther- integrated therapist. She's a trainer and speaker, and she's basically got a real desire to help others find their true potential. So what better at doing good than that? We talk into some really interesting subjects. We get understanding their own personal journey to becoming a counsellor and helping people. We also delve into young people and the challenges that they face and what the the hangover effect we got from COVID with the real mental health challenges that people are facing. We also look into the likes of psychedelics and the potential for healings and that. And we also just have a really interesting conversation. Well, I found it particularly interesting anyway. Um, sitting, I always find it a pleasure to be able to sit with these interesting people, these knowledgeable people who are full of um, expertise and wisdom and to for me to be able to sit and explore with them and go on a bit of a journey. And it feels really good to be able to share these conversations with you. So, Let's get into today's podcast with Lindsay. Firstly, Lindsay, thank you very much. I appreciate you sitting down with me today in my uh, my home. It's been a while since I've done an interview in my lounge area. So, <laughs> thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we were. Um, well, it's actually it's almost pretty much three years to the day as we're recording this when I think someone even said on something this morning that um, this was like the last day three years ago before everything changed because yeah. before COVID hit yeah. and, and everything like that so um, um, what do you, um, before we get into sort of you know the, the impacts of COVID on people's mental health and stuff you just give people a little bit of an overview of kind of yourself and your company Stand Tall and what it is that you do that'd be great okay okay so uh lindsay bowden i've been a therapist for roughly about 25 years now um i always feel really old when i say that um and stand tall is a stand tall is basically the brand name that defines everything that i do really so i work as a therapist um, i work as a clinical supervisor for other therapists um but i run a small training organisation that predominantly teaches people to be counsellors but it also has um, other kind of branches off that as well so we run small training courses for people to just gain self-awareness find out about themselves um, CPD courses for for professionals um, and that kind of thing but it came about quite unusually the teaching side of things because I worked as a therapist for many years and um, kind of fell into teaching because I worked in a rehab and the guy there wanted me to run some workshops and back then as an enthusiastic you know new new person in the in the uh, in the world of council I just said yes yeah yeah of course I can do that I'd never taught in my life I'd never run a workshop I'd never written anything down but I just kind of said yeah um and so fell into putting together workshops to help people through addiction um and that kind of woke up the love of of given the, the knowledge and the information that I feel helped me to a group of people rather than just a one-to-one person. So Santal now um, predominantly teaches counsellors and it came about because I got sick to death of mainstream education and the churning out of sausages rather than like really training people and really o- opening people's minds and helping people understand what therapy is all about rather than just... Um, answer these questions, write this essay, tick these boxes, 
congratulations, now you're a therapist, which is what I did in colleges and unis for years. Um, and it was quite soul-destroying. So Stand Tall came about because a group of students that I was teaching um, <clears throat> wanted me to do something on my own because they too were, were disillusioned with, with how they were being taught. And they actually persuaded me to set up a training centre on my own, which I thought that was an absolutely insane idea. Just don't be stupid, of course, I can't do that. But they pestered and pestered me. So I agreed to do that. I agreed to um, affiliate myself with a, an awarding body just to get them through their diploma because they wouldn't leave, they literally wouldn't leave me alone. Um, and it was only meant to be for them. And, you know, eight or nine years later, it's still here. Um, and, I, and I'm really proud of it because it's, it's, I feel like I've stayed true to what I wanted it to be, which was people that are disheartened with how education is and how, you know, even, even when we take that back to schools, we're not, we're not educating people, we're teaching people how to pass exams. Um, and I, I feel like we've stuck with that at Stand Tall. You know, you you really feel yourself getting pulled apart and and put back together again. Um, and yeah, so eight or nine years later, it's still it's still going strong. Yeah, sounds good. And I've got a little bit of secondhand experience because my wife Ruth went through. She that's did. how I come to know yourself. Yeah. And um, she went on your training program and did about through the journey of two three years. Went yeah. through the program as uh, an hour train counsellors out in the world doing her thing so um, yeah I can see that um, I can see that and I can personally see the, tr- the transformation that a, an individual goes through mm-hmm. doing that training as well yeah. and actually the effect that it can have on the, the, the household as well you know it can, it can stir lots of stuff up as the person is going on their own transformational journey that you know things will be swirling up um, yeah. but yeah it's definitely for the um, it's definitely for the for the greater good, and um, and to be able to do something that you are, you, you know, you feel like you're helping others. Like this podcast is all about doing good in whatever way we can do it. Whether it's you know you're going out picking up a little bit of litter, or if you're doing something on a grand scale. Um, but I think we're living in a time now when counsellors and therapists are needed more than Absolutely. ever. Yeah. You know, we just well say we're out of co- well we are generally. You know, it's been three years since COVID all kicked off, and you think about the impact that it's had on um, society but I think anyway it was just a but everything was bubbling anyway things have been absolutely for decades and decades people have just mm. been feeling stretched um, there's a really good quote actually on your site I think it was um, about I think being a counsellor but you say something to be a passenger alongside someone on the journey of self-discovery is like the, the greatest honour absolutely um, absolutely and I think that's that stretches into the teaching side of things because that that journey that you sit in with your client and, and experience with them, you know, it's just so beautiful, and that's what they go through. And I think as a trainee counsellor, you've you've got to go through that as well because that's what you're going to sit with your clients. That's certainly what I went through. I certainly went through kind of stripping myself back and building myself back up again. Um, so I think it's important to go through that when you train, but it is definitely the best job in the world, and it's the most the most honourable thing to do to sit and experience. I think I feel like the most intimate relationships I've ever had with any humans have been with clients because you just you you go past all of those barriers that we put up for family and friends and loved ones and colleagues and you know you just experience a client letting so many of those barriers down and you see the you know you, you experience their true selves it's such a privilege 
and to do something as well where you're constantly transforming and growing through yeah. the practice of doing that yeah. is it's a gift really to, to have that as a, a career yeah. but also to be getting so much reward from it yeah. yourself is yeah it is I mean Rogers Carl Rogers was quoted apparently in, well, in about his 80s um, and he was asked what it feels like to have reached self-actualization, and he says, "I'll tell you when I get there." I'm paraphrasing him, obviously, yeah. but I'll tell you when I get there. And I remember seeing that as a, as a student myself, and just thinking that that was amazing that this guy that we all, you know, put so much kind of held in such high esteem was still on his journey. So, do you think it has been? I think it's like it is your calling. It feels like hundred yeah. percent. And so, what kind of? I noticed that you. Um, you know, you used to be was it a photographer back in the yeah. day, and then through maternity leave, that was a bit of a opportunity trigger point to to go down a different path. It was, but also um, I went through my own dark difficulties around that time as well. So I was in a really difficult relationship. Um, I was pregnant. You know, I had this job that was taking me all around the country as a photographer, and. Um, but which I enjoyed, but it, it, it was it was becoming quite soulless. It was there was no there was nothing in it, you know. It was nice to work with the people that I worked with, the you know, the clients that I worked with. But it was a bit soulless. So I went through a bit of a dark time myself, difficult relationship, having a baby, you know, and having children just completely turns your world totally upside down, especially when you don't you're not planning to have a baby, you know, which is what it was like for me. Um, so going on maternity gave me an opportunity to reflect. It gave me an opportunity to think, what is it that I actually want to do? And then I entered therapy myself. Um, and that was the beginning of it. That was kind of almost like, ah, okay, this is this is the world that I kind of belong in. You know, I spent a long time never really feeling completely like I fitted in the world. I existed in the world, but I didn't really fit in the world. Not, you know... Not like I feel like I fit. Um, and so going into therapy just opened up a whole other dimension to me to what life could be like. You know, the, the, the having people that thought like me, you know, growing up in a, in a, in a kind of a, a, a big family, is, you know, she's a bit weird, all these like kind of hippy dippy ideas that she has. And, you know, she's kind of what she's thinking about now. You're such a big thinker, you're so overthinking. But, um, yeah, so going into counsel myself definitely gave me a doorway into something else. Um, and then my during maternity, I thought, oh, I'll just go and have a little try. And I went to a, a small local community college and did an introduction to counselling. And that was it. I was sold. I was completely sold. It just felt like a light went on inside my head and that was it. Yeah. yeah. When you find something as well, it's like you find like, like that passion and like it, and purpose in something. It, the drive, like the energy that you're no longer having to drag yourself to stuff. You're literally getting pushed oh, because yeah. you're just on a the momentum. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And and you know you mentioned Ruth before and the, and the transitions and the changes that are that like my students and kind of go through. Um, and it's a disclaimer at the beginning of any course, you know, just beware. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't feel like you've been ripped apart and tips upside down, then you've not done it properly. And we apologise to the families at the end at the graduation. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, it is. It's, it, it was just, it just felt like that was it then. You know, that was the road that I was going down. I was kind of quite lost. 
even though I had a decent job, um, I was really quite lost. I just didn't feel like, I thought, is this it? 27, really? Um, and it was, yeah, it just, it just, it just kept, I just kept feeling pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled towards it and more and more and more. Um, you know, and people would say, you're really changing. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> Yay, I'm changing. Um, but yeah, it was difficult for some people to to um, accept that change. And difficult for me to transition through it as well, because of course you go through different layers of it. You know, I was angry for a while and I was kind of, you know, sat on soapboxes for a while, you know, and kind of, um, and, and then eventually you settle down to to yourself so just feel a little bit like all the pieces get thrown up in the air and then we come back down and then you know you piece it all back together again but it's just a very different picture yeah. this time yeah and you've got to be brave as well it sounds like you've been very brave at those phases because often we can it can be easy just to stay with what we know mm-hmm. because it was comfortable or we had an income and then suddenly you've got a young child yeah. and then you're like oh no I'm going to go down this other path yeah. and there's, there'll be times of like you know sacrifice and hardship because yeah. but because you have that call and you know something inside of you um, I often say that to people because I think it's something like 70% of people really dislike the jobs and that's that's Absolutely. a huge number that's yeah. tens of millions of people in this country that are just going to something just because they feel like they have to yeah. Um, and you feel like that effect that has on your mental health, your physical health, everything, just to be doing something, and particularly your relationships. Mm-hmm. If you're going out doing something you dislike, and then you're coming home, it's like, sometimes, who do you take it out on? Where Absolutely. Does, does it go on your family? Does it go mm-hmm. on your friends? Um, so to, to be brave enough to find something like that, um, it's tricky for some people to find it, isn't it? It's like to know what yeah. they do. I know the thing that kind of got me out of a pickle of being young was being creative yeah like a lot of my friends like we did it all we we went off the rails 18 19 you know taking all sorts of drugs yeah. and whatnot and for unfortunately some of them didn't come back from that and then mm-hmm. it just became that's what the life was it was yeah. just to get any kind of work just to cover they weren't you know major addicts but they were functioning in society to make sense but they would live for the weekends there was no real purpose no drive but for me it's like okay I was I had art and that's the thing that pulled pulled me out of it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's like, but I think in all of us, I think every one of us has got something to give, has got a gift in some way. And it's just us trying to find it. I agree, you know, and, and, and as I say, I mentioned Rogers before, he talks about us having, you know, trying to locate, help a client to locate their true potential. And I think these were some of the things that I was learning when I was first studying that was just speaking to me because these were thoughts that I'd always had. But just thought I was a bit mad because nobody else thought like that. No one else. I, mean, I was like, you've got this true other person inside of me. And people just look at you like, well, are you still tripping from the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, people have got um, a different version of themselves on the inside. It doesn't mean that the, the version of themselves that they are is the wrong version. But the version of, of ourselves on the outside is predominantly kind of moulded like clay, isn't it? It's like moulded by where you are in the family, the experiences that you have growing up, the, the friends that you that you have, the schools that you go to, the achievement. You know, all of those things have an impact. And so many people you think, you know, you find that, that do it just end up on that treadmill and find themselves really freaking unhappy. And not really understanding why maybe thinking it's because I'm in the wrong relationship. It's because this, you know, it's because 
this is boring or because of that or because of my job um, and you know and it's stripping things back sometimes to just kind of find out what is it that's going on on the inside and it's I think we are very very fortunate if we find something to pile that energy into you know like yourself I had many friends that, that went down a drink and drugs path rather than going you know down a path of finding something that, that, that gave them some purpose and I think sometimes the drugs and alcohol in, in, in young people that it gives the purpose yeah. it allows you to step out of that self that is that is dissatisfied you know and kind of forever chasing that that constant high or that constant like different feeling um you know unfortunately it's the case for a lot of a lot of young people back in my generation your generation and yeah. today's really yeah absolutely and today's i think um you know you look like we've got a real like health crisis going on with children now mental health crisis it's huge you know you could say social media plays a role i'm sure it does but maybe it's just like spark something a bit more to like amplify it um what do you, what do you think is can, is it too big a question say what sort of what sort of root cause of you know what's kind of what's happening going, with our kids yeah it is a massive question isn't it um i don't think there is a root cause i think there are roots you know like any plant that it's not just one root there's 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 lots um and i think social media does play a part in it but I also think like the, the, the structure of family has, has really changed over the years, the structure of, of you know, how young people get their enjoyment. Um, you know, to be able to type onto a, onto a keyboard of a computer and find stuff out, you know, so there's, there's some real benefits for our younger generation that they've just got like the world at their fingertips to, to find out as much information as they want. But then also um, a kind of a re- either a reclusive aspect to that sound like staying quite reclusive and kind of pulled back from mixing socially with people um or or to the opposite you know where where young people are so pressured i think i think school has a big thing to do with it you know it's taking me back to education again mainstream education that i could do an entire podcast on um how we are trained to pass an exam we are not trained to think we're not taught to think teachers are under immense pressure massive classrooms you know high pressure we'll have work some of the teachers that i support the hours that they do is ridiculous they're on about three pound an hour when you take into account all the the extra hours that they do so you've got teachers in education who are really really stressed and really resentful and frustrated and then you've got kids that are disillusioned and they can find out what they want when they type it into a computer and listen to Mr Boring at the front of the class and then you've got home lives where you know families are really stressed trying to manage a household with you know with what used to be able to be one income would come in and you know and, and that would be managed and it's not it's two incomes it's not even making the cut these days because you've got stress and anxiety and pressure from all areas and then you've got the whole idea of you know the competitiveness and the like community you know if I don't get a like I'm not liked if I don't get validation from the outside then I'm not good enough and you've got I think a lot of young people being real prisoners to people's opinions and, a re- and, and then that really then enhances that need for external gratification you know external likes or external validation or people if, if, I, if I do this then I'm I'm better or if I do this then I'm accepted or if I do this then I'm okay 
not enough space for people to just be able to be individuals. Um, and then the pressure that schools put on young people that at 16 you need to know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. You know, I'm sitting here now thinking, I'm 53 and I'm still exploring what I want to do with my life. I didn't have a clue when I was 15. I wanted to be a lighting engineer when I was 15. You know, I was like, I want to go and work behind the stage and put the lights on performances and that never happened because, you know, back then I was a girl, you weren't allowed to do stuff like that. Um, but I think, so I don't think there's one route. I think there's lots of pressures and lots and lots of pressures. And then it's become very, very normalised almost, you know, and almost as if um, young people feel like they're not, they're not interesting enough if there's not something going on, if they don't fit in a particular category. They're not interested enough or not accepted enough or not normal enough. Um, I've heard lots of young people in the places that I work talk about happy pills and they talk about antidepressants. I need to go and get me happy pills. And so we've got, a, you know, I don't remember ever a child at 16 being put on antidepressants when I was a kid. It's just, it's horrifying to think that, you know, so for the age of 16, you take a pill and that makes you better. You know, well, like in the world of Alice in Wonderland, don't we? You know, take this pill, it will make you feel better. Yeah. And then, and then what? Then nothing on the top of it. Yeah. Nothing to help that person discover who they are, not, not encouraging a child through education to question, to ask questions, to explore, to be inquisitive. Just, just fill that box in there, and that will, that will get you your GCSE. Because your GCSEs are really, really important. It's the most important thing in the world. You know, I remember watching a wonderful uh, Jay Shetty video where he walks into us into an assembly, and the head teacher's like giving their speech about this is the most important decision you'll ever make at sixteen because you're doing your GCSEs. And he walks in, he goes, "No, it's not. <laughs> it's really, really not. not even close. You know? It's not even close." And 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 interestingly, from a therapist from a therapist's perspective, I'm watching the faces of the young people that all look like they were virtually asleep when the poor head teacher was given. And you know, the head teacher's got a puppet above, you know, a puppeteer above her and a puppeteer above them. And so we're all kind of, um, you know, doing what we think is the right thing. But watching the faces on the young people when he started to speak and they all woke up, you know, they all kind of, you could see their body language of them kind of sitting upright and, and kind of leaning forwards in their seats and some kids were nodding and, you know, an elbow in one another and all of a sudden you've got these young people that are awake um, because they're being told something, something different. Um, but then I could get even deeper, Rob, and I could just say that there's a sinister plan to keep people from being educated. We don't want our young people thinking. I, that would be bizarre to let young people think because then you'd just have a revolution. I know, and then there'd be change. <laughs> and then there'd be change, and it's like, you know, the powers that be don't want that. No, I, I fit in that camp as well of, of feeling like that. It mm. just it doesn't make sense the way things are. You know, you look no. at all the destruction around the world, the wars, the poverty, everything. It's not, it, it's not just an accident. A lot of it's just happened from design over... You know, um, absolutely over the past so many centuries, and you know, power and greed at the root cause of it, and all sorts of stuff. And 
Yeah, I'd like to think we're going to go through a huge paradigm shift, and it feels like it feels like we are, and maybe that's why it feels like so many things are at the breaking point because they have to fall to pieces, Absolutely. don't they? And then I think you were saying before, like in your life or when you're going on a council and you're doing the training, like things fall apart. I think Marilyn Monroe's got a great quote. It's something along the lines of that, like you know, about your your life falling to pieces. I'm actually going to butcher it now, so I won't even. I'll, I'll dig it out from someone. I'll put it. I'll put it in the show I do, notes. I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, um, and. Um, yeah, so, and I think we do, you know, maybe we've got an opportunity now in society to, to rewrite stuff, to get back to our roots, to remember, yeah. to use the best that we've got available now, but to remember what it meant. You mentioned about family, you know, you've got single parent families, you've got both, fa- you've got you've, even both parents, but they're so stretched, so working, like, yeah. where's the grandparents, where's the big households? If you mm-hmm. look at, say, Italy and Greece, which probably still has that to some regard, you know, the, the grandparents are living there, they're all together, mm-hmm. particularly in India, you'll have it, yeah. there might be 20, 30 people all living very close by, you, you see the benefits that it has on young people, on everyone yeah. in, in, in life and in the household. Yeah. Absolutely, and you know, there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of pressure. If you push something down too much, it's it's eventually going to pop back up. You know, eventually it's going to explode out. If you put a lid on a pressure cooker and just leave the lid on, it's going to explode. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, hopefully you're right that that we've got this movement towards change. It would be amazing. Um, but then again, I just think there's a lot of pressure. So there's a lot of young people are quite angry, um, and when you suppress anger, it can become anxiety and stress. Um, so you've got a lot of young people that are either displaying this pressure through heightened aggression. I mean, look at the, the violence and the aggression that we've got going on with our young people at the moment. It's, it's terrifying. Mm. So you've got a lot of these people that are just pressed down and that's either coming out through anger. And for those that, are, that aren't, you know, rebelling in that way or, or, or displaying those emotions in that way, they're becoming really, really anxious. Um, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and, and and having a lot of knowledge can actually make young people quite anxious. Oh, if I don't know what I want to do by the time I'm sixteen, does that mean I'm broken? My life is over. And you've got all these young minds being being drip fed this information that if you don't know what you want to do by the time you're fifteen, sixteen. Forget it. Game over. And you and I both know because we've crossed that finish line. We're like, well, it's a load of crap, really. Yeah. But they don't know that, you know, and then they've got pressure from their parents as well and pressure from, from other people that do know. And so, you know, you've got a lot of that, uh, a lot of that pressure happening and pushing down on. But I also think on the greater scheme, you know, our, our powers that be, I use powers almost like it's an in inverted commas, our powers that be are quite happy to keep that melting pot of, of anger and frustration going and... You know, don't think outside the box, don't use your own minds. Um, and we'll filter through a lot of anger and hatred as well. If you think about what's happening in the, in the wider circle of the world, you know, we've never been so full of hate in a long time. You know, mm. hate for other people. And that's, that's being filtered through by, by the most, allegedly the most influential people, you know, our, 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 our governments and our, our influential people are kind of pushing that. That um, that idea that it's okay to hate and be angry and blame and it's their fault or it's this fault or it's that and it's just this like this huge. I used to love Monty Python as a kid, but one of the um, one of the opening scenes was just this like great big boot coming down at the front, just crushing everything underneath, and that's kind of what it feels like. It just feels like there's this great big boot pressing down on everyone. It's divide and rule. Divide and conquer, absolutely. Yeah. The oldest trick in the book. Um... 
And you, I think people think now, nah, think, oh, those things won't happen. They, they happened in the past. Yeah, because yeah. we're nicely covered with our warm houses and our, and our you know, and, and, yeah. we, and we can all afford a car and a telly and we can all afford to things and we can afford the, the occasional holiday, you know. So we don't think it's that bad. We're kind of uh, wrapped up in this bubble like it's all okay. It's, it's not going to be as bad as that. It's not going to be that bad. And it's only op- when you open your mind and you have the people that are open thinkers um, that actually see, you know, no, actually it is that bad. And we are repeating history and we are, you know, doing, we've not learned, have we, have, have you know, we spoke earlier mm. on, didn't we, about how evolved as a nation we are, but how Neanderthal almost we are as well in some ways, you know, we've all got, like you say, computers and nice homes and, and things like that but the way that we're thinking it's almost like we've never had a history lesson none of us have ever seen anything that's gone before and it feels like that kind of thing might be happening again particularly so we've got young people who are really pressured but then we've also got an uprising of young people that I've experienced that are quite open thinkers that are you know using their minds and questioning things and so hopefully there will be some kind of uprising let's break it all apart and put yeah. it together again yeah it feels like that I don't think it's nothing's going to be a quick fix because no. it's so you know so complex um, it's so big there's so much um, but I think it could take you know generation or two for you know yeah. before we actually yeah, maybe we probably won't see it yeah we'll see <laughs> hopefully my daughter will be yeah um, it's interesting me becoming a father making me realise how um yeah, I want to just do my own part in some way to leave the world in a better place. Like mm-hmm. Even I think often we think about the problems are so big. People think about the environment or you know all these things that are going on, and then you think, well, what can little old yeah. me do? When actually I believe that again ties into how the powers that be want us to feel. They want us to feel powerless. They want us to feel like we can't make any Absolutely. change or have any agency in our life. Yeah. They want to keep us maybe in that victim mentality as well as me. When actually I believe through my own journey of self-discovery and the changes I've made in life and I see through many other people we can make such huge change yeah. and it can start it starts with us it starts with our families and it starts out there um, and so I do have hope then I do think there's as you say there's an uprising and that uprising will come from from that but then if we can group together in some way and create initiatives and do things and um, almost do for me is trying to have one foot in the system and one foot out, out of it so to the point where I can, um, yeah, I'm not feeling like I'm fully dependent on, on everything. You know, it's like, what can I do? And, and it almost feels like, I heard someone saying, it's like, it's actually, we need to create new systems yeah. that make the old systems obsolete. Yeah. So the old obsolete could literally be the government, could literally be the way the banking system is, the way the educational system is, mm. is to create alternative versions of that, which yeah. are naturally people suddenly see, they work. Yeah. They're working much better. There's more, there's more harmony. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. But I see like pockets of like communities popping up and stuff yeah. like that, and and them I I really feel quite empowered by them and saying, oh right, look at the you know the way maybe the, the way they're homeschooling the kids, the way they're all growing their own food and they're doing all these things. They've got to set up their own businesses and stuff, Absolutely. and they suddenly feel they're not behest to like oh someone saying mm. you're redundant. Or this is going to cost you a fortune. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. It's a really good point. Having one foot in society and one foot out. And it's just having that. It's kind of being aware, isn't it? Being aware that you're in a system. Of course you're in a system. Of course you you have to be part of that system. 
because that's just how life works at the moment and of course you've got to be part of it but you don't have to be completely led by it you know you can free think as well you can step outside as well you can do different things and I do think our young people are so important you know so important to to influence because they're going to be the people that carry this message forward they're going to be you know your little one and and, and you know my kids they're going to be the ones that are going to move forward with this um but you're absolutely right it does it does give it does give some hope doesn't it that we're not all doomed yeah I think when we you turn on the news, that's right. I talk about this in the podcast. I, I don't. Watch we don't. Well, I mean, we don't. No. You know, every time we have the radio on, and every time it says, "Oh, the news," and we go, "Alexa, off." Off. Um, and I think Stella's starting to say that as well now. So she's she's aware that she won't be listening to the news as well. No. I think it's Jordan Peterson says something like he he stopped listening to the news uh, years and years ago because anything you listen to often in thirty days time it's not news anymore. Yeah. So it's constantly that cycle of place of fear. Yeah. And if we could look at it bigger picture, when you're in a place of fear, people can be manipulated and pushed down a path because uh, of stuff. But the reason why I did this podcast and I speak to people who are making a difference in the world is because there is so much good happening. Yeah. As soon as you scratch underneath the surface, you can see there's so much good things happening and change. And Absolutely. it tends to be happening on them small local levels. Yeah. And then when you see it, you can get part of that. Mm-hmm. And then you feel as if you're making a difference. Yeah. Um, but I do believe it. we're just going through a phase now where things feel, I don't know how long that phase is, very intense, very unsettling. So much stuff's coming up to the surface. But it'd be an opportunity for us to... But that's also when the most growth comes in your life. Oh, God, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as a society, you know, maybe we do all need to break apart um, to, to, to put the right pieces back together or put them back in a different order, you know. Um, but, yeah, you, you're completely right. There is so much good in the world. I haven't watched the news for years and years and years because it was just so depressing it just used you know I'd come home from a work when I when I was part of that you know dog eat dog system and I'd come home and I'd had a crappy day and then I'd put the news on and it's depressing I just think oh this is just really depressing me why am I why am I doing this why am I putting myself through this so I didn't watch it for years plus I'm just being lied to that's the way I see the news I'm just being lied to you're telling me what you want me to know um, and and yeah, thirty days later, it's all gone away again. Um, you're absolutely right. Fear is the the ultimate emotion to to instill into humans in order to control them. Um, but recognizing our our own power through fear is really really important as well. You know, so as an individual, if you're afraid, you've also got power. You know, to because it's if fear is your body's way of telling you something isn't right here. Something's not okay. Um, it's an indicator. So it's about listening to your own internal indicator, not the indicators of something on the outside world, and recognise what you're powerful over and what you have no power over whatsoever. You have no power over, you know, changing what's going on in Russia, for example. You've got no power over that. You as an individual, absolutely none. Um, so you either spend the energy worrying about the potential of what could happen in, in, in those situations, or you take that energy somewhere else and you spend it on yourself, on your family, on what can I do? How can I stop myself feeling so frightened? How can I address what's going on inside my nervous system? How can I f- fix that? Turning the power inward and recognising that you've got the power to change only you. It's the only person in the world that you can change is yourself. Um, 
but if enough of those people that know that they've got power inside to change themselves can come together, then that ripple effect can be so influential. You know, you do. We are the most powerful creatures on the planet. That's why we're top of the food chain. We just, we've just forgotten. I think we've forgotten how freaking powerful we are. We have. You know, how to change ourselves, how to, to move in a different direction, to make another decision, to lean over and switch the TV off, to tell Alexa, change channels, to just choose not to have that stuff filtered into your brain that's just going to cause you to be overwhelmingly anxious about something you have absolutely no power over yeah it's so so true um and it's a, like you say it's a switch yeah it's literally directing your attention from one thing to something else absolutely um, I, I had a good analogy about television so television is like tells lies to your vision and you think about you know the amount of stuff yeah. that you'll you'll get and you, and you think because someone sits at a nice desk and they've got the low BBC logo next to them and they look well presented and whatnot you think oh I trust that person of course yeah. um, but a lot of the information has come through and I think you know look at the past few years and even going beyond that I think of the information like none of it was empowering none of for me none no. of the past few years was like you know what you could be doing all these empowering things to your health it was it was all it felt for me it was all the opposite absolutely it was absolutely. all the opposite um, you know if you only got to look at we've said it's three years of the day but the, the, the kind of the world just turned on its head and it was quite surreal for, for me watching it because I've always been an observer of, of things and people so watching how many people would you know it's almost like this image of that people would like crawl into their front rooms at six o'clock and watch the news and you know the panel of people that that were just telling us what was happening and then they'd all call away back into the house and be all really scared about it and we'd all go outside on the step on a on a particular day and bang pans together and go yay you know and we were just absolutely led led by a nose ring to do these things and just watching it from the outside just thinking wow okay you know that that was that's quite scary to think how how easy it is but then it's not scary at all because then if you go back in your history books if you remember your history lessons it's happened like forever um but knowing how easily we can be controlled by others gives you power because ah if someone else can do that to me what can i do to me how can i change me how can i step up and it doesn't matter other people might think you're weird or strange or that's or that or it's not the same it's it's what you do on the inside first you've got to you can't heal other people or or save anyone else you can only do that for yourself and then the hope is that that you know that then filters out of you as humans we are we're so influenced by the people around us you know what young people they get in how many times do you say young people they got with the wrong crowd because humans are influenced um, but it's just if you if you place yourself in an environment that influences you in a different way then that that evolution will be slightly different for you your change will be different so you can do that for yourself mm. and you know then I do think that like-minded people are drawn mm. to like-minded people um, and the hope is that that kind of silent change will take place under the surface. But just 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 starting with you for me, you know, it's just starting with yourself, learning what power you've got to turn the telly off, learning what power you've got to change the radio, learning what power you've got to not listen to that toxic conversation, to not, 
not, not get involved. Not in get involved in that toxic conversation. Not yeah. you know, kind of allow people to have their own opinions mm. um, and move away. Carl Rogers again talked a lot about good old Carl, but he talks about um, the environment that we need to create for therapeutic change to take place, and he has three conditions: unconditional positive regard, congruence, and empathy. Um, unconditional positive regard is just accepting people everyone's different people are going to different opinions accept them it's fine it's okay you can have your opinion I can have mine God, that'd be good in society right now wouldn't it yeah. be wonderful and this is what I mean these, these conditions are just let's it would just be wonderful well, imagine a world where this is what we teach kids unconditional positive regard congruence which is being honest and genuine with yourself as well as others and empathy what's it like to be you it like to stand in your shoes and to try and feel what that's like and they are the three conditions you know it's the soil it's the light and it's the water for a plant it's the same thing it's you know it connects to the universe in that way but what a world can you imagine it if that's what we're teaching kids in a decade imagine everything would be transformed it would just be transformed just just acceptance of people not you know, trying to change other people to be the same as you. What a boring world that would be. Like when you say that, that for me should be part of the curriculum of every school in the country rather than, you know, here you go. As you said before, what do you want to be when you're older? And then you're pitting everyone against the best, competing it. <laughs> yeah. No kid wants to come last. Everyone comes comes first. Mm-hmm. And often in that place you you don't you don't end up taking risks because you don't want to fail yeah. um, and you know we just yeah for me like what you're talking about is like it's fundamental life skills absolutely and if we were teaching them in school rather than oh we're going to teach kids maths until they're 18 now mm-hmm. and, you know or other stuff it mm-hmm. just feels like yeah what's the point yeah well you see this is that one one particular drum I've been banging for a long time in my career trying to get schools to, to take that on board and schools love it but the education you know, the people that made the decisions about education don't, can't be on the curriculum. No, you can't have that. It can be a, it can be an extra. Schools can choose to have that as an extra, but then schools have to pay for it themselves. So schools can't do that because they can't afford to pay for things like that themselves. Mm. So then it goes by the wayside. So yeah, we'll continue to teach people long division and trigonometry till they're freaking 18. And you know, my son's 14 at the moment and he's so, he gets so frustrated. Why do I need to know that? Why do I need it? If unless I'm going to be an engineer or, you know, what do I need that information for? There's so many amazing other subjects we can teach young people. And the world's changing so fast now. Mm. You're teaching what kids are teaching you. You're teaching them for the industrial revolution to go out and just go into, you know, go into factories or wherever. And as you say, following orders before. But the ch- the world's changing so fast. Look what the internet's done. Look what the technology's done. We don't even know if there's going to be jobs about in, in a couple of decades. Well, for one thing for sure, most of the ones which will be a significant amount will be automated. Absolutely. So it's yeah so for me that's done like fundamental life skills mm-hmm. like this how to deal with things emotionally how to mm-hmm. be a better individual but then also skills like how to grow your own food how to absolutely you know, how to cook how yeah. to nourish yourself if we yeah. had them then we wouldn't have um for instance what is it half the country's like obese yeah you know and is that the people say to save the nhs well that if we were to teach people how to grow their exactly. own food and plan it, well, that's going to bloody exactly. save the it's NHS. Effect. Um, so it's just some things. It's like, and I think when you can take the zoomed out approach to stuff, you think, what's going on? 
Yeah. It's, it's mad. It feels like it's madness. Um, well, I think I think it is a form of madness. You know, doing the same thing over and over and over yeah. again, expecting different results is literally the definition of insanity. And that's what we. If you go back, that's what we're doing. Is we're just churning out the same stuff. You know, as I said, my son has been infuriated about math since he was about 10. He's like, why, why do I need that? Why can't they teach me what, to pay my taxes? Why can't they teach me how to work out how much electricity I'm using? Why can't they teach me how to measure a carpet? Mm. That's maths. Yeah. But it's necessary maths, you know? Um, it's a really no, it's, it's, and You know, he's a kid. This is a kid, you're like thinking out of the mouths of babes, listen to these young people. And I think that, again, takes us back to that question what's the root cause of all these these young people these young people are smart really really smart and they're being forced into a school that is just churning out the same stuff they're bored yeah. absolutely bored out of their minds and and frustrated uh, totally frustrated but yeah starting at the ground basic life skills you know teaching how to care for one another teaching how to be kind to one another, teaching how to just be empathic and understanding. But um, unfortunately, the, 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 the big boot at the top doesn't, doesn't really want that, doesn't lend itself to that. Doesn't fit into their plan. Doesn't fit into their plan. Free-thinking, smart generations is not, doesn't fit into the big plan. Hel- healthy ones as well. Healthy, smart people that could make change, yeah. that doesn't fit into the plan. Robotic chained out people that will, you know, be sick and kill one another, just keep killing one another. Yeah. Then that fits into the grander plan. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, a lot of this stuff is coming to light. It feels mm. like, particularly the last few years, I've, I thought I was aware of stuff that was going on. And I know that in the past few years, I'm like, wow, <laughs> even more levels and, you know, yeah. this stuff. So I think naturally, as things come to light, that's when we can. You know, they've been in the dark for so long and all of a sudden the spotlight's on them. Um, so in that time, we've got a choice, haven't we? Individually and collectively to make a choice of how we want to yeah. raise, raise our, be ourselves and how we want to raise the next generation. Yeah. And um, I think about my two-year-old and I'm kind of terrified of her going to school yeah. because I'm thinking, what, <laughs> what's she going to get? There's a part of me that I'm more in the camp of, well, I'll homeschool. And Bruce like, you know, no type thing. So we're kind of stuck in the in the you know finding a happy medium um, to that, or finding a school where it can feel like it's going to be focused on creativity and healing and life. Yeah. And, you know, rather than here you go. Yeah. Because there's a, an amazing statistic. Um, I do a lot of projects for young people, and supposedly between the um, the ages of zero to three, something like ninety seven percent of kids are cast as creative geniuses. Absolutely. And then between three and seven, that dwindles down to a third of kids are considered to be creative genius. Then when you get into your thirties and forties, only three percent are. Wow. So the thing is, we're all born geniuses. Absolutely, we are. The system, the conditioning, it drives it out of us. Absolutely. Because it's t- you go to school being told that. Oh, you need to prove that you're good. We're already all. It, we just, you know, there's no. I think you put about being like a square peg um, on your thing, and a, and a is it square yeah. peg around hole. Square peg and around yeah. hole, yeah. And there's so many things like that. And isn't there a great quote from Einstein? Is it if you teach everyone? If you try, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend yeah. its life thinking it's stupid. Yeah, and we're all so unique. Um, mm. It's obviously that's why I think about the school system. How can that possibly change? Because if you've got thirty kids getting pushed in each year, and they've got 
you can't one teacher and one classroom assistant cannot suddenly work out what each of those children and what level they're at and what direction they need to go in. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll see how the see how things go. But maybe from my point of view, being a father now makes me want to be even more part of that change in some way yeah. because um, it's it's literally the future, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah, yes, it is. It's for those kids. And and the hard thing is, isn't it? You think, okay, ideally, you know, I wanted to get a camper van and take my kids around the world. You know, that was my that was my ideal. Um, to travel the world and just just educate them by their experiences which you know is is a big regret that I wasn't able to do that um but then you've also got to take into account the you know helping our young people to socialize and helping our young people to fit into a society like this you know if you shelter them too much from it and then they go out into the big bad world it becomes a, an even bigger badder world yeah. because they've not experienced not built that resilience you know resilience is really really important um and, and so sometimes experiencing terrible things is is what's necessary to build that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. Gabo Mate would talk about getting the um, the first three years of life are so important. What what would you think that those? What is that in those first three, oh, three years? I mean, you know, it's it's you the conditioning. So so the the, the cognitive part of the brain doesn't isn't like kind of fully developed till you're about five so when children are those younger ages they're predominantly kinesthetic so they're, they're absorbing things emotionally um and your emotional part of your of your brain is your more creative side of your brain and so young people are you know they're all just this this kind of emotional sponge picking up on things you know you know little Stella today when I walked in she emotionally picked up on the fact that hang on a second I've got to go out and dad's got another woman in <laughs> and mum's not here you could you could literally see that happening inside her body she won't have understood that cognitively but something felt different and something felt strange that she wanted to grab hold of daddy and it's that kind of emotional world for a young person when babies are born they stick their tongue out because they absorb um, knowledge and information through their tongue that's the first the first part of their body so little babies stick their tongues out all the time and so I think that's got a lot to do with it that absorption of of, of the world as an emotional place and then we start to become more cognitive around kind of towards the age of five and then that cognitive goes through the influence that you've got of other people um, you know what other people are saying and so we start to develop kind of blueprints and rules and life scripts um, you know around that if, if you're looking at Freud that's around the time that that are kind of we go from being it all id to kind of having a super ego and an ego and they're the two that you kind of your moral code and your reality codes you know so you're hearing things like oh I mustn't touch that because it's hot or I mustn't do that because daddy's face frowns when I do it or I mustn't do this and we're starting to to push sort of some of those those moral um, ideas onto our young people, so people start thinking and start forming their opinions based on that. So you know, Gabor Maté is just amazing, and he says that that no child has the same parent, um, which is exactly true. You know, there was four of us, and we we all had very different experiences with our parents, even though we could argue we were all brought up in the same household in the same way, but we weren't. Because our parents were going through very different things at the time that each of us were born. We also had, you know, like my sister didn't have anybody older than her. Um, but I did. I had two people older than me. So you've got to look at those influences as well. And all of that happens on the inside of you. 
You know, you start to develop things called a condition of worth. So I am only worthy if I smile. I'm only worthy if I don't cry. I'm only worthy if I don't have that tantrum in the middle of Sainsbury's. I'm only worthy if... And children will start to develop those cognitive rules for living, those thoughts based on what they're experiencing. So I think that's got a lot to do with it. You know, a lot to do with how we then start to develop what our opinion is. And here's our own little individual opinion. So our parents might say something in exactly the same way to the to, to the four of us but all four of us heard it differently all four of us it went through our own individual filter you know um and and so therefore we all interpreted it differently and that's i think what happens with all young people it goes through our own individual filter and then we start to process it and start to make it as as thoughts or belief systems and it's not until, you know, you kind of fast forward and start going into therapy that you can, you begin to challenge those thought processes. I remember one of the things that was so, so powerful for me in therapy was I used to use the word stupid a lot when referring to myself. Like my sister's wicked smart, really, really clever, really academic and studious. And so in comp- I was the only other girl. So in comparison, I compared myself to her that I was stupid in comparison to her. It's five years between us. We used to play Scrabble and I was not very good at spelling, but you know, I'm five years younger. Um, and so we'd be, and she'd be like, oh, come on, you're so bloody stupid. Get, you know, get, go, hurry up and put a word down. Um, and I would play it with her and my mum. So of course they were two smart women that were very competitive of one another as well. And I was just this like, you know, younger one that was, oh, I'm not as quick as figuring out words. So I always thought that I was stupid. Um, and it wasn't until I was in therapy at 27 years of age when my therapist said, you use the word stupid when you're referring to yourself a lot. And I, he said, are you aware of that? And I was like, no, I wasn't really. And he said to me, did you pass your exams in school? I was like, yeah. Did you get many? Oh, o levels they were called then. And I was like, yeah, I got eight. You must have revised a lot for that. No, not really. So how did you get eight O levels if you're stupid and you didn't revise? And I still remember that as this light bulb moment thinking, I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid. My, my, my intelligence is different from my sister's because she's a bookworm and she's very, you know, very, very academic and studious. But I certainly wasn't stupid. But if you think about a phrase that you use to refer to yourself and how many times you say that, we're just conditioning ourselves to believe who we are. Doesn't mean that that's the truth. It's just what it's a thought that we've had for a long time. It doesn't make it the truth. Yeah. You know. If you imagine all the different thoughts that young people are getting and that you know the society is getting, and we just think it off. If you think a thought often enough, it becomes the truth. But it isn't. It's only when you begin to realise that you can actually challenge that and stop and think, do I believe that? Do I think that way about myself or do I do I agree with that? And that's when you can begin to start to change things. But I think for, for, for young creative minds that, you know, that's when we've got to put all that gorgeous stuff in. That's when you put all that gorgeous stuff in and you being frightened about sending, you know, sending your little one off to school in case all of that gets obliterated it won't yeah. she'll change but that core stuff will always be there she'll always be able to access it 
you know she might take different paths and, and, and lose herself a little bit along the years but that core stuff is always going to be there and that's what we try and reach in therapy is reach that the core stuff you know so you can start to pull out different thoughts about yourself I, I know for myself you said 27 for, for therapy for you but I was probably around about that age mm. for myself um, and I just remember like over a period of time for me it took a no, it, well, like it's, it's a life life journey isn't it but yeah. it took a number of years of doing it but just seeing the absolute benefit and just to be able to sit with someone who mm. will just literally give you hold that space for you for an hour yeah. once a week or once a month whatever it is to have that space if you can just whether you just want to let off steam for yeah. what's going on on what feels like the surface level or if you want to get really deep in it for mm. what's happened to you when you were a kid or some other mm. things that have happened to have that space and someone can just like you said you have that one person that suddenly says to you actually no well you're not stupid you've done all these things ah you yeah. know, I've had those number of light bulb moments yeah. where just reframe stuff. It just Absolutely. got flipped from this my you know, my uh my conscious mind or subconscious mind just repeating the same thing over and over. Is it don't they say something like ninety percent of our thoughts each day is just based on ninety five percent of your thoughts are unconscious. Yeah. Same stuff over and over and over. Mm. Um mm. So if that unconscious stuff is being conditioned to, to think in a certain way, that's what's influenced our behaviours. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. unconscious stuff, if it's been kind of really programmed to be quite negative, then even if you're going, right, today I'm going to really think positively, but the unconscious stuff, the 95, the other 95% has been conditioned to be quite negative, it'll be really, really hard. Yeah. So it's pulling that unconscious stuff and going, ah, oh, this is what I'm thinking back here as well. So I might be trying to think positive in this tiny part of my brain. But you've got to change all that back stuff. You've got to, you've got to recognise where all that came from. A lot of the work that I do with clients is timeline work. So we go right back along that timeline of, of, of their life experience. But we look at it from the outside in. How might she have been feeling at that point? How might he have experienced that situation? Mm. And that separation of looking in at yourself, yeah. travelling along that journey and the things that were happening and how that might have influenced the way that you think and feel is so powerful. So this ties in very much to like inner child work then and then that kind of kind of but it's 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 more about just being able to to take a voyeuristic perspective of your life so far of your journey so far. Giving you some distance from it as well. Giving you some exactly a distance a separation from it. You know, did you feel unhappy as a kid? No, I never felt unhappy as a kid. Okay, but then but when we look at it from the outside in how do you imagine she might have felt at that point when, you know, I don't know, dad left or or those kids were bullying her? Well, I think she probably would have felt sad. What did she do to prevent herself from feeling sad? Oh, she masked it. Mm. Oh, how did she mask it? Oh, she masked it by kind of being a bit rebellious and she would be really naughty in class so she'd get kicked out, of school, kicked out of the class and sent home. So this person now is playing up in school because the environment is, is doesn't have those three conditions. We talked about people are being mean. I can't say that I'm sad about it, but if I get disruptive enough, they'll send me home and I won't have to put up with it. And that's not a conscious thought. Yeah. That's just, it's just how we develop our behaviours. But stepping out and looking in, it just gives that separate separation perspective. So you can begin to use the creative imagination that we talked about that all we all have between the age of 0 and 3 to 
to imagine how that young person would have felt and I use that word a lot let's imagine how that young person felt mm. and if you use that imagination that note to three stuff can come out so that's that deep unconscious stuff of how did I really feel how might I have really felt and that's when you can start speaking to the the background noise you know yeah it's really fascinating this life isn't it this journey that we go on yeah. you know um when you start to peel back and you actually realise how magical it is and how incredible it can be and mm-hmm. it's um it's a beautiful journey you know we, I think I, I use the term like we're live and learn and you know we're all here to grow and to expand and to um, yeah. become more of ourselves and I often like to think now we've actually when you can think about things that happened in your life like often when you're going through something shit you're like you don't want to be anywhere near it but as soon as whether it's time or perspective you go ah that happened because of this and it shifted me in a different direction and I was able to deal with that thing that came up so if we can come in that place of self-empowerment rather than sometimes I think maybe when you're starting out you might play a bit more this happened to me I'm the victim of this mm-hmm. well actually if we can reframe that from being you know okay it happened to me but okay why did it happen to me what can I turn that into who's it going to turn me into what I'm growing and then you can look at it all maybe and go well wow you know was it all for my greater good in some mm-hmm. way yeah. yeah often sometimes when you're in the thick of it or you say that to some people they might want to slap you because they're like <laughs> thinking what they're in it. yeah they're yeah. in the thick of it mm-hmm. I think sometimes you don't say that to people at a certain time because they're in it but I think I often think about that certain things so many things I look at ah right, okay but that happened so a health challenge happened I'd hated that but look how much self-knowledge I got through transforming my health yeah. to be able to have all these tools and skills to feel like, yeah. wow. Yeah. But if that didn't happen to me 20 years ago, then I wouldn't have gone on that journey. Absolutely, absolutely. I suppose it comes on that point of actually taking that journey though, because if you don't take that journey mm-hmm. to grow and to learn from it, then you will generally can just be stuck in it. Yeah. Um, one, one thing um, we touched on earlier on is obviously, you know, I, I've seen my own life the dip the power of you know therapy and counselling and stuff like that. But do you think there's a time when there's the other things need to come in as well to go even deeper? Like Gabo Mate will take people on ayahuasca retreats. You know, you've got psilocybin and you've got MDMA and ketamine therapy and stuff. I know it's it maps in America who um, are doing quite a lot of work with it. And I know there's particular states in America where it's actually legal now to do it. I don't know what it's like in this country, but um, you got any kind of insight or experience with those? Yeah, I think, you know, I think if something is growing on the planet, it's there for a reason, isn't it? You know, and, and a lot of these, um, you know, psychedelics, they grow naturally in the world. So they're there for a reason, aren't they? You know, not this, this look pretty. Um, but the idea of it is that many... Many, many years ago, back in the history of therapy, you know, um, psychedelics were used a lot. LSD was used. MDMA was actually used in couple therapies. Um, so remove the sexual tension. So when couples have come, come, you know, getting into conflict, the sexual tension, the sexual tension builds up because they stop having sex with one another, they stop being intimate with one another, they stop kind of wanting to kiss and cuddle with one another, and then the tension builds even more. Um, and there was one, uh, one. Th- train of thought that if you remove that tension then you can actually get to the root of what's really going on what's really the problem um, and so they were prescribed MDMA go home you know the love drug go and go and get intimate with one another come back to therapy and then deal with the problem because you remove that that tension that's in the body from not being intimate with one another um, so yeah, I definitely think they've got a place. I really do think that they, that psychedelics have definitely got a place because they're designed to open up your mind. 
you know and what we've been talking about this afternoon is how much of the powers that be and society and the system is working really really hard to kind of suppress that mind squash that mind into thinking in the way that you know works for the system um we use a tiny percentage of our brains we've got so much ability in our brain that we don't even use um self-awareness and therapy and stuff and that allows us to gain access to some parts of those those that brain that we've got that amazing brain that we've got um, but for some people the need for um a chemical and in you know something to 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 start that process it's definitely think there's there's a there's a there's space for it 100 percent Hundred percent. It's you know, it's like everything in moderation, though. Do you know what I mean? So we're not going, we're not encouraging people to go out there and just be constantly high, um, but just you know, microdosing and, and, and small amounts to just remove some of those tensions and pressures and and defense mechanisms that we put in place and you know and barriers that we put up there. You know, and you know, I, I talk with clients a lot about about their upbringing and so many people are kind of instantly protective of their families and you know not wanting to sound like they're having it. Oh, I don't want to sound like I'm saying my parents are bad because they weren't. So it removes some of those those things that that stop us from reaching what it is that we really think and feel. So I do think there's a there's a, a massive space for them, absolutely. And when do you think it might become, you know, more av- you know, available? Like, as I've heard, like, is it whether it's in America or like, even be New York, like, you know, going doing, like, assisted MDMA therapy as a couple with a counsellor and then yeah. taking on that journey in that space. Um, obviously, we know we can all get our hands on it in... Yeah you know, in, on the streets and stuff like that, but to be able to do it in that place. Uh, I know ketamine therapy seems quite mm-hmm. um, powerful in some places in, mm-hmm. in America, I've seems to see it from, just from, you know, it, it has to come, you know, it has to be a, become more available. Um, I think, well, as I say, I think we've gone, it was, it was always used before, mm-hmm. that type of stuff was always used before. Um, in this country, I'd be a little bit sceptical, you know, I think I think you know in the states it's they're a little bit freer with with stuff like that. Mm. You know, the country is a little bit freer with stuff like that. You know, marijuana's legal in lots of states in in, in America, not in others. Um, still not here. You know, we're so backward <laughs> in a lot of ways. You just like, you know, you never see somebody stoned going out and and, and causing trouble. Um, but, but, yeah, but, but, yeah. but but alcohol is legal. Exactly. You can go and get you can go get a couple of bottles of vodka, drink them. You know. Yeah. destroy yourself destroy get in yourself. the car destroy other people's lives yeah. and stuff like that yeah that's um, legal but marijuana no oh, and oh, again yeah. my, my the, you know the conspiracy theorist in me that you know I've been accused of being that so many times it makes me laugh but um, it's I don't know we don't really want people to be able to be legally influenced to think and to use that creative that like open part of your mind mm because there would be a revolution. You know, it's easy it's easily to to have a revolution on a small island like like the UK than I suppose it is in the states. Yeah. So maybe that's behind some of the thought process. I would love to see it legalized. I would love to see that. I would love to be able to to help people in that way. Mm. Um, but whether it will would in this country, I'm a bit skeptical as to whether it will or not. It's just going to have to be underground, isn't it, for a while. Yeah, of course. Um, and until it's just a tool it's another way of moving some of those obstacles out of the way you know and, and allowing people to connect I've heard some people talk about how they've gone and done like a seven day ayahuasca retreat mm-hmm. in Peru or whatever and they said that was like 
20, 30 years of counselling for them yeah. because it got so deep, it unearthed so much, it had mm. so much insight mm-hmm. that they were literally a completely different person at the end mm-hmm. of that week. Um, so I'm not saying like we should all go and do a week in Peru. Um, It'd be really nice though, Rob, it, it? It, would be, <laughs> it, 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 it would be lovely. Um, I think sometimes when people, I say that because I hear that from people, I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds amazing, you know. Does that mean like I don't have to do another 20 years of therapy? I can just mm. go and do that. And I think everyone's got their own journey and their own time frame to go on stuff. But I think there's times where maybe at this time where we need more assistance to yeah. push things on. Yeah. So I like touching on like alcohol and stuff before. It's just, it's absolutely bonkers how it's totally acceptable to get absolutely destroyed and wasted. And it's almost encouraged and championed. Yeah. And it's like, what? You yeah. Know? Yeah, and you know, like I said, you don't, you don't, you will never see someone stoned causing mayhem. No. <laughs> but yeah, people go out and get drunk all the time, and yeah. and there's there's you know there's knife crimes and people fighting and, and carnage every single weekend in this city alone. Um, but you know, most of the stoners are are inside watching funny movies and and laughing and having laugh. and having or just having like really really bonkers. You know, um, wonderful conversations with one another, yeah. with open minds. Maybe you think we went to Glastonbury Festival for the year, and it's literally like an alternative reality mm-hmm. for like a week, yeah. Yeah. and everyone's so happy and yeah. caring and loving. Okay, yeah. the drugs are playing a part, but but the drugs could... are pulling out what you've got in your mind. Absolutely, it, it's about envi- it's about environment, isn't it? Yeah. There's an environment. We talked about environment, how yeah. important it is. It has a huge impact on how we think and what we do in life. Yeah. You create that space, yeah. an opportunity for people, a loving environment, mm-hmm. music, everything. It's, yeah, it's, it's tapping into those parts of your mind that you want to be pulled out. Mm. You know, which is the love and acceptance. If we go back to those three conditions that we said, wouldn't that be amazing if we taught that in schools? Yeah, of course, because if you taught that from a very young age, there might not need to be a need for a, a week in Peru. You know, if if we're taught that, because what yeah. you're then doing is you are opening those beautiful minds from a very very young age and keeping them open to love and acceptance and kindness and warmth and what's the planet doing and what's what's the universe providing for me and and you know what does the moon do and and, and what's the sun's purpose as well as just you know, kind of like keeping us warm what else is that you know just keeping that open mind from a very young age would be amazing but but our system has closed so much of that down and I do think you you mentioned before about there feels like this pull towards change, um, and that things maybe do need to fall apart. And so maybe that's why there are more people um, being drawn towards these kind of retreats and these kind of options, just like they did in the sixties. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was it was there were people were drawn to after being really closed and conditioned and and stifled they were drawn towards being free and as you know as humans i'd like to think that that's the way we are naturally we're drawn to be being free and kind and loving and and taking care of one another and not you know it definitely feels that is our true nature it's you know it's human conditioning that has turned us the other way you know you you put a a little uh, a two-year-old uh, white kid with a two-year-old black kid. There's no racism. There's no nothing. There's no. There's, you know that's just been conditioned through Absolutely. through the generations yeah. and stuff. Hate so. is hate is hate is, is man-made. Hate mm. is, is a condition. Yeah. You know the only time we were violent as as indigenous human beings is when we just needed to to eat. 
Yeah. Yeah, violence was a necessity that you would kill something to eat from. That so would it's, be it. It's like, or you protect know, your tribe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not going out of a weekend and you know smashing somebody's skull against a pavement for what? Yeah. He's not. You know, he's not <laughs> stealing your wife or or you know, it's just or, or you know, invading your campsite. It's just the violence and the and the kind of the anger and the hatred is definitely instilled into us it's not who we are naturally no no and you know if you use the term of being it's just about us getting back to our roots isn't it and, and, and remembering our true nature yeah. and trying to create an environment for that true nature to flourish yeah. Yeah. and yeah it's going to take it's going to take some time because we've gone off course so much and i think about courses and also i had good analogies about train tracks we've got an opportunity like which train do we want to get on now like I'm, i've seen such crazy authoritarian measures the past few years like in the past i've only read about those things but these have come so close they've basically come into my front door these measures so much and stuff like that and i'm like that isn't the world that i want to live in but often yeah. i think we need to see the world what we don't want in life before we can choose what we do want Absolutely. so now it's like well what train do we want to get on which is our destination we want to head towards mm-hmm. and then just take actions each day and each month or whatever that might just nudge us yeah. towards that yeah. Um, yeah. It's the power. It's it's choice, isn't it? And I think I think that's been a, a word that's come up subtly quite a lot today. Is is knowing that we have a choice. Yeah. You know, we do have a choice. Um, it might not feel like that sometimes when life pressures sits on top of you so fiercely. Um, but we've all got a choice. Mm. You know, you have going back to yourself, your own choice. You know, you you were. Um, young daughter young baby at the time you took a bit of a you know maternity leave you had a you, you had a choice yeah. you know and you know food bloody damn and i think a big part of it is, you know it's hard work it takes hard work and i think in some ways a lot of young people now sorry to say that there's not that essence of like wanting to work hard to strive for something can feel a little bit lost and we got we got to get you know anything you want in life. It's not yeah. really just going to be handed to you. We've got to we've got to work on it. Of course, we can have a vision and we'll be guided and supported along the way. Mm. But as you said before, it's like it's us that makes that choice and those yeah. changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that seems like a pretty decent way to to kind of wrap up, Lindsay. Yeah, I, I think. think so. If anyone's listening to this and they wanted to find out more about yourself and they maybe wanted to have a session with you or, or maybe some future someone a light bulb's gone off and for you know i want to be a counselor how mm. could they find out about stand tall or well the the uh, the, the website's going live very soon it'll so be live it's, when this is it'll out. be live when this is out so yes so so through the website um and all of my contact details will be on that so i'm sure you'll put that all together I'll put links in there mm. as well. And do you have you got any thoughts about you know any, do you have any events that might be coming up or you might want to do you know any plans for some retreats in the future? Oh, definitely, like definitely. Part of my my movement towards change of and, and evolving stand tall a little bit is to be is to be moving towards much more of them. So yeah, we've got retreats that we're going to be putting together, um, one off kind of one day workshops as well, all geared towards just given an opportunity for people to start that journey of, of understanding themselves a little bit better. Um, and yeah, and, and the idea is that they will eventually develop into full-blown retreats. Don't know whether we'll be dropping some, some acid in those in those retreats, <laughs> but who knows? I'll come. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much. There we go, everyone. Another podcast 
wrapped up. Really enjoyed that one. Loved doing it face to face. It's a bit of a throwback for me to be able to, and perfect subject to be able to do it as well face to face with someone who's a therapist. Um, I hope you found you enjoyable. Hope, as Lindsay says, what she's trying to do is to help desire to help others find their true potential. And I'll be honest, I think that's very much what I try and do with this podcast for us to become better versions of ourselves. And when we become better versions of ourselves, we're able to show up better for our family, our friends, and the world. Um, and so, yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. If you listen to an Apple podcast, please leave me a review. That would be amazing. And if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe and like and leave a comment and all that jazz. So anyway, until next time, have a good one. Mm-hmm.